Hello and welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, and culture. While drinking a few brews. Though we don't often use strong language, the jokes and the content is not intended for young audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Before we begin the episode, we have to give a huge shout out to the Dangits from Madison, Wisconsin for providing us with great bluegrass intro you hear at the beginning of every episode. The song Razzle was written by Jamie Lampkins, but is performed by on behalf of Tom Wasselchuk and the Dangits. If you have a chance, check these guys out at dang-its.com for upcoming shows, music, or on how to book them for weddings, parties, and etc. Thank you for listening. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 23 I am Eric. I am Russ. This is officially the final episode of our Halloween series. Uh, let us know what you thought about the uh, the entire Halloween segments and stories uh, on uh, on either Instagram or Facebook. Today's main story is the Bozak Cow Alien Encounter. We also have great Wisconsin music from Motel Breakfast, another edition of How Many Loco You At?, and this day in Wisco history, along with a tasty beer review and a special interview with Working Draft Brewery. Without further ado, here's the story about the Bozak Cow Alien Encounter. So before I begin this episode, um, a huge shout out to Rob Morphy. And for those who aren't aware who he is, Rob is a legend in the field of cryptozoology. I first heard about Rob um, and his amazing writing with uh, Mysterious Universe. Um, the guy is amazing wordsmith, and he's very well-spoken. Um, he does his research very well. So if you're, like, looking for some weird topics, I recommend going over there, um, including the one we're going to discuss today. He he did the main research for this. He actually contacted some of the uh, the people that were involved, and uh, he wrote an article for Mysterious Universe. And so I'm actually referencing this, so I wanted to give him a huge shout-out. And uh, it's kind of an obscure legend, and uh, I know, like, concluding the Halloween series with this episode, but if you want to hear more obscure stories about aliens, cryptids, and all things paranormal, please go and check out Rob's podcast with Mark Storrs and Chris Carnicelli called The Kryptonaut Podcast. It's a really awesome podcast. I love it. It's it's really good. It's one of those ones that gets you through the day. You know, they joke around. They sip brewskis, and uh, you're going to laugh. So if you're in the office, make sure you keep those chuckles low because people will look at you like you're a madman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So without further ado, I'm going to begin the story, and uh, it begins on October 2nd, 1974 in the town of Frederick in Polk County. A dairy, a dairy farmer by the name of William Bozak was driving home after a co-op meeting around 10 p.m. How Wisconsin is that? <laughs> That's a little co-op meeting. <laughs> there was a chill in the air and a slight fog that night. On a row of road around 10.30, Bozak was on his way back to his 450-acre farm when he noticed an object hovering in front of him. Bozak, attempting to get a better look, began to slow down. As he approached the flying object, he realized how large the craft really was, nearly 10 foot with windows that exposed all the flashing lights in the illuminated interior. This is where Bozak spotted the creature in his headlights, and he describes it. I can remember it just as if it were yesterday. A little taller than me, a little taller than a tall man. I could see a figure with its arms raised above its head. He was looking out the window and it was different kind of character than you'd see on earth. It looked a good deal like a man, but it had a different looking face than anything you'd see. 
It had a kind of cow-looking face, dark tan fur, except for its face and chin. It had a square face with hair sticking straight out from the sides. The ears stuck out from the head, and three inches in, the eyes were large and protruding. The ears were calf-like. And it's pretty weird. I, I It's hard to explain it, so actually I used some of Rob's art. He, Rob is also a really talented artist. Yeah. And he did a really good drawing of the Bozak humanoid. And there were some paper, newspaper clippings that somebody else did that we also are going to include on our website. So if you want to see what this thing looks like, super weird, super bizarre. But And I've seen some weird stuff down at the local Walmart. Um, I mean... Did you see a cow alien? Weird cow faces. Um, women with pig noses and stuff and guys with... You know, just larger than normal guts and stuff. So, I mean, this seems seems normal to me right now, other than the you know the, 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 spacecraft. the spacecraft. Right. So, uh, let's continue. Obviously frightened and shaken, Bozak started that the creature appeared to be just as frightened as he was. Though the encounter lasted a matter of seconds, for Bozak it felt much longer. And that's like everything. Like when something really crazy happens in your life, it feels like it could be minutes, but it really felt like yeah. you know hours. And after getting over his initial shock, but still in a state of panic, Bozak attempted to get the hell out of there. He, his whip took a major shit, his light started to dim, and the engine began to die. Bozak then heard a soft whooshing followed by a loud scraping. His car seemed to return to normal when he again pressed the accelerator to the floor. He managed to arrive safely at home where he began to settle down and try to make sense of the encounter. He knew people would think he was crazy loon if he told anyone, so he decided that he would keep it quiet and even hid it from his wife. I was so gall darn scared, I was afraid to go out at night for a few days. And, I mean, that's a, that's with, like, a lot of encounters. I mean, people see weird stuff and they never report it because you think you're nuts. Right, well, that's the thing is you kind of fear just the backlash and the perception uh, with you telling stories like this. You know, people just won't believe you. But outside of that, it's not just they won't believe you. They're also probably going to, you know, uh, ridicule, ridicule. Yeah. They'll probably, you know, oh, really, really make fun. He and was stuff. on acid. Exactly. <laughs> they'll, they'll make large assumptions that, you know, are crazy beyond uh, just, hey, maybe he just saw a cow and there was like a flashlight behind it or something. You know, they're going to go as far as that you just said, alcohol, uh, drugs. Yeah, he's, right. the you know, usual he's got a crazy MO. brain. Right. And so, obviously, sleep was out of the question that night. So, the uh, next morning, to make sure he wasn't losing his mind, he decided to check out the scene of the encounter. Of course, there was nothing to be found about except a six-foot diameter spot in the grass that had been flattened by the craft. Due to all this swirling in his head, three weeks after the incident, he finally decided to, he was enough and confided in his wife and told her the entire story. I wish that somebody had been in the car with me at the time. I should have stopped and tried to show I was friendly. I wish I could meet up with him again. I don't know if I would do that technically. Hey, it's I'm like not going out of my way to do that. A bovine alien yeah. is not something you really want to chill with. Well, it's creepy. I mean, yeah, I mean, you don't know. He said it towards the beginning of this story that uh, he seemed friendly. Uh, he, he seemed just as scared as, as, uh, as Bozak was, but you don't know that. And he, he really wasn't going for publicity, as you'll find out. Um, after he told his family, his story was leaked. So somebody in the family broke the seal and told someone and the word of the encounter spread throughout Polk County and even appeared in the St. Paul Pioneer Press. I'm sure a ton of gossip occurred. Obviously, like we said, was he drunk, high on drugs? Was he crazy? Was he a whack dog? I mean, yep, that's, he was approached by a UFO research group where he uh, recalled the encounter. He had an excellent reputation in the community as being an honest man, but even this did not sway the community from being skeptical and making him, making him the butt of the jokes. In Bozak's own word, 
You know how the neighbors are. They questioned it. The editor in town didn't believe it. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be skeptical after hearing what happened to me, but if people don't believe me, I'll take a lie detector test to prove that this isn't just something I made up. There are other people that had seen something like that right in this area. Unfortunately, on December 2nd, 1996, at the age of 90, William Bozak passed away exactly 22 years after the encounter, which is pretty coincidental. It's kind of weird. It's weird, definitely. Uh, I don't know if you can say it's anything more than coincidence or, you know, like we've had a couple other UFO type stories and, and probing type stories where the person, they end up, you know, being uh, like better at, at healing and they definitely like aged uh, differently with their skin than they had been before. It just, just a really weird yeah. encounter. And I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. If, if I have to take a probe, a cow hoof is not something I want anywhere yeah. near my orifices. I think I'd rather have uh, uh, some sort of a being with fingers and digits than a, a hoof. To... So Eric, after hearing this, what, what are your initial thoughts? Like what, what do you think this was? Well, my my initial thoughts are uh, a prop maybe just a cow, but yeah. he said it was tall. I'm sure he knew that it was it was a bipod. What is it? A biped? So somebody that something that walks on two legs. I, you know, cows don't do that, so it's pretty unexplainable at this point. I th- I think what really gets me is the craft more than anything. Oh, exactly, and, and and yeah, so and that's a do- great point. He did give a sketch of the craft, which we'll also share too. And, and I mean, like, I'm obviously a skeptical person and uh, taking somebody's word is, is tough for me because I have not experienced it. But at the same time, I can't discredit this guy. And, you know, for me, I'm a little skeptical because of how many cows we have in Wisconsin and being shrouded by fog. I mean, you see a cow in your headlight really quick in the fog and then you like get freaked out. And just... Well, especially if you're not if you're not expecting it to be in that location and you're in your headlights happen to catch it in the fog and everything and then all of a sudden you're like holy moly what the hell was that right but the craft is the one thing like you said not really easily explained and like other encounters too i mean the the car is kind of disengaged by the craft itself and you know the one thing that adds a lot of credit is he never wanted to go public with this because he didn't want people to know about it yeah yeah you can definitely you can definitely put a little bit of uh uh, backing behind that that he's not out you know to to make money off of this encounter and he's not you know looking to get you know his you know 15 seconds of fame or whatever but at the same time i mean the craft could just be the thing that he added to the story in order to try to make uh, yeah, make it yeah. seem worse than it was when you've got like we had explained just a minute ago you're driving home He's got probably a, a a crappy farm truck. Right. So he's driving. His car starts to act a little bit funky. He happens to turn down a rural road, like you said, and it's foggy. His headlights just happen to catch uh, some sort of a bovine, you know, cow or, you know, whatever, maybe in a spot that he wasn't expecting it to be. And now all of a sudden he's freaked out. He's uh, he doesn't really know exactly how to handle it, he, you know, so. Maybe he just adds yeah. the, the craft as that piece that's like, I need to somehow tie this all together so that way I don't look like a you know f- fucking idiot. Exactly. And, I mean, I've been, I drive rustic roads a lot. I, I like driving through the country sometimes. And uh, I've seen loose cows right in the middle of the road. It happens. So it's not, it's not unlikely that's what it could be. 
And like I said, I'm, I'm skeptical, but honestly, I don't think we'll ever know the truth behind the story because we weren't there to experience it. So it's another one. It's a really obscure case. I thought we should feature it. Obviously, Wisconsin has a lot of weird lore and legends. Oh, yeah. This one is not a very well-known one. Yeah, and, and uh, things like this, although they happen kind of frequently where you hear stories of some sort of an encounter, I mean, if I were ever in this situation... And it was me telling, you know, my firsthand uh, account of the, you know, the, the whole situation. I would hope that somebody would uh, at least believe me a little bit and not call me a lunatic. So that's what we really like to do in this case as well. We exactly. get it. We're trying to explain it away as uh, a potential, you know, just, hey, it's a mishap. You, you, you saw something. It spooked you. Cool. But it, there, there's also that small percentage that it was a, a real, you know, encounter with something right. that doesn't exist. Yeah, and that's going to conclude the main story uh, for today. But we do want to say thank you for tuning into the Halloween series. Um, if you have a suggestion for us, something you'd want to cover, obviously our state has a lot of like macabre things that have happened. I mean, we're not going to cover the main ones, but obviously like Dahmer, Gacy, you got serial killers, you got weird cryptids we got a lot of really crazy stuff that happened in the state and those are all down the line we do have a list of of uh items that we know we want to cover but we would really appreciate and maybe that's something we do as we post something on facebook uh trying to draw some of these uh you know other examples from other people yeah but we uh we thank you again for tuning in and uh i hope you enjoyed it If you really like the Halloween series, maybe we'll feature a few weird ones throughout the year as we go on with the podcast. But uh, thanks again, and that's going to conclude the main story for today. And we actually have a music segment as well, as we always do. So today's artist is Motel Breakfast. Very cool music. I love this stuff, and again, uh, like we said on last week's episode... We're just amazed that we continue to to you know get these uh, really really top notch artists. Yeah, I just can't believe that that's something that uh, that you know they would. I mean, it, obviously it's free publicity. It's just hey, another means for people to find out about this music. And you know we have a pretty a pretty substantial uh, uh, I guess crowd now and uh, audience. So. Uh, something that's really fun for them to uh, to get out there and, and maybe a whole new audience that hadn't heard of them can can uh, discover their music and hopefully be changed by it. So again, Motel Breakfast, they're uh, currently releasing uh, different uh, singles for what I uh, believe is going to be an album, uh, but they've been releasing singles like uh, for the past few weeks. And uh, one of them is Yelling at the Moon. And we, f- we thought, how fitting uh right. this is the halloween series yelling at the moon uh, this just feels great so uh, again this is motel breakfast and the song is yelling at the moon Still brand new 
dead oak trees and taco trucks I didn't plan on falling in love I just wanted to be good to you That was Motel Breakfast, Yelling at the Moon. Again, they've been releasing uh, new singles throughout this whole last few uh, weeks and you know, few months, too. Uh, hopefully putting that all together into a album. Uh, definitely check them out. Yeah, with COVID coming up, too, just all the creativity that's out there right now because people have more time on their hands working from home, so it's like just amazing stuff is coming out. Exactly. So continue to support. Reach out. Uh, uh, check them out on uh, Spotify and Apple Music. 
uh, YouTube. I know they have some, uh, some uh, I think, some official music videos and stuff that they've recorded on there as well. So uh, now we have a beer review. And we got a great one today. It's a Door County Brewing Company's Vacation. Welcome to Vacation Land Beer. Is a juicy IPA at 6.2% ABV. Um, the can's really awesome. I'm going to just state that right away. Um, it's really cool. It actually has the map of Door County on it, featuring a lot of things you can do there, like uh, cross-country skiing. There's, like, boats, cherries, you know, just kind of your stereotypical Door County things you would do. Yeah. And uh, before I talk about the beer, if you don't know, um, Door, Door County Brewing Company is located in Bailey's Harbor, Wisconsin. So if you actually get up there, go and check this place out. They have really good beer. And now about the beer. Um, so the beer is a juicy IPA. And initially when I opened the can, the uh, the um, IPA aroma comes through really well. Like you get that hop that just hits your nose. It's it's really hop forward. And it's but it's not it's not like overly bitter either though. Um, with the juicies, that's kind of the, the the typical take though is that they're not like really overly hopped. They're not super bitter. Uh, they they definitely leave a really nice uh, you know uh, taste. You know, it's not, I don't want to say that it leaves juice in your mouth (laughs) (laughs) because it does, it doesn't do that. However, it leaves a, uh, uh, a refreshing type, you know, uh, after. Yeah. It's a really minimal bitterness to me. And, um, it's, it has like almost a softer, uh, mouthfeel to it. So it kind of has like the watered down IPA and it's 6.2%, which you would never guess drinking this, you know? And that's pretty aggressive. 6.2 is pretty good for an IPA. Yeah. I mean, normally you would see like doubles start to hit, you know, in that seven range. So this being 6.2 is actually a really decently, uh, um, by volume so yeah it's it's pretty good it has um you know i'm getting a little bit of like maybe there must be like some kind of like an oat in here because it has like that creaminess to it so i'm wondering if they maybe brewed it with a little oat maybe that's that juice that it leaves in your mouth <laughs> oh god <laughs> but i'm gonna read a little there's a little excerpt on the can um our beautiful peninsula known as cape cod of the midwest has been a des- destination since national geographic introduced the introduced it to the world to its unique and charming beauty in the 1960s and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've I've only been to Door County a couple times in my life, and yeah. it, it's one of those things like, you know, when you live in Wisconsin, you don't get to do a lot of the really expensive things like the Illinois people come up to do. Yeah. So it's like once once you know once in a while kind of thing, and you know we always make jokes about how uh, everything's Lake Geneva to us. So you got like Lake Geneva. You got Door County, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin Dells, Lake Geneva, right. Monaco, Lake Geneva, Bayfield, Lake Geneva. It's like it is. That's what's crazy is that all of those areas typically are for tourists uh, alike. And uh, I, I've lived in Wisconsin for you know nearly thirty years, and I've never been to Door County. And I think that that speaks kind of the, the truth to the whole thing is that it's um, it is it's for the tourists. Right, it's a little more upscale. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of grungy, so I don't really fit in with that crowd. I've I would, been to those I places. would feel weird there. I, I, I've been to those places. I've been to all those areas, and um, you know, I never really, I never really got into the touristy thing. But I really do want to get up there and check out this brewery because this beer is fantastic. Well, and, and we, it's just and so I know good. we featured another one of their beers as well, and that one again was uh, just a really good uh, uh, beer. I think it was Pallet Jack, and that one, I, I mean. We're two for two on this. I mean, they're they're great beers, and uh, I would love to see their facility. I'd love to speak with some of the uh, the individuals that 
have a you know uh, a real uh, uh, you know I guess a real knack for creating these uh, these really delicious beers. Yeah, and I know it's a Halloween season, and uh, I hope me and my co-host can get to Washington Island to go to Nielsen's, which is a haunted bar that they have on the island. Sure, there. yeah, and uh, I want to join the Bitters Club. Uh, you have to take a shot of bitters, and you get to join the Bitters Club because. That's gross. Yeah, I, I, we're probably going to do an episode on this because it was a way of getting around prohibition, and we'll do an episode on this at some point. Taking but a shot of bitters was a way to get around prohibition. It, it gets you drunk, and that was pretty much it. They could get Jesus. around it by selling it as a medicine. Basically, I, uh, one really quick thing: I do know that there is a cure for hiccups. That is, you soak a lime wedge in bitters, and then you suck the whole thing down. You know, you squeeze the lime juice and the bitters that are soaked in into your mouth and it's supposedly uh, and I've, I've used it a couple times so that's pretty interesting yeah and we have another edition of how many loco you at so this article it happened on september 26th of this year 2020 two people have been arrested after a vehicle pursuit leads to a crash into a house on wasa's west side saturday afternoon the crash was on north first avenue and west union avenue Officers tell the news channel that the driver and passenger in the vehicle sustained minor injuries and were arrested. The owner tells the, the news station no one inside the home was injured. Luckily, they were not there, and it could have been much worse because they do have uh, children, and there were children outside playing at the time. And uh, one woman says, uh, our hearts were racing for the family. Um, and another person said, it's a great family that lives here, and they have found somewhere to live right. So they have to find somewhere to live right now. So as a landlord, that's hard. And um, the family is now without a place to stay. The house was basically destroyed. It was taken off the foundation from the crash, yeah. which is just nuts. I mean, some of the pictures just look just just, uh, just devastating. The house is like wiped out. These guys. It's, yeah. <sighs> and um, the owner says this is going to be a very long rebuild process for the family who lives here and for us. This is not what we got into business for. And uh, that's the landlord speaking there. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, these guys had to be speeding. The house was taken off the foundation. The house is actually leaning over. The whole house is leaning. The roof That's is leaning crazy. on its side. It literally looks like one of those barns that you see out in the middle of nowhere that is just, its I mean, it's completely fallen over. The roof is kind of on top, uh, leaning all the way to the ground. It, the house looks just absolutely disgustingly screwed up. This was a four local tornado. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, geez, some tornadoes don't even do this type of damage. No, this was a malt liquor world. This guy took his Hondai just straight through the foundation. He's lucky he didn't Hondai. <laughs> he did not Han Solo. Han Solo out. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but the two were arrested. Um, and, like, I'm just thinking of a four local level to destroy a house. Yeah, and I so mean, we don't have... Uh, they're, so two, they're two... It's Bo guys, I think. That yeah, and it's, car. A, and it's a relatively recent thing, so there's not too much known about it yet. Right. Uh, the the news programs are still trying to reach out and get all of the info regarding the incident. However, uh, you know, as we do on this show, we are going to speculate uh, how many locos these uh, individuals were uh, drinking, and uh, I don't even I don't know. You what already it. basically said. I mean, this is a this is devastation. This is a 16 loco uh, uh, tornado. Yeah, this is. I, I was thinking four or five cans of loco. So I yeah. think a 16 is probably fair to say, but this is a uh, a malt liquor uh, massacre. Luckily, yeah, nobody is... was injured, honestly. This is just insanity. Um, but yeah, I'd say 16 loco, and um, it's, it's kind of a shame 
honestly, that something like this happens. It happens often here. Oh, yeah, far too often than it, than it should. I mean, I, I'm with you. I think uh, 16 Loco is uh, definitely in the wheelhouse. I mean, maybe a little less, possibly a little more, but 16 Loco seems fitting. Uh, this house is absolutely destroyed. Uh, this guy is in deep shit. Yeah, definitely lucky you didn't kill anyone. And uh, I honestly think, though, it was probably like a dude's night out that went just awry. Yep. You know, like just, you know, you're like, oh, we'll have one more pitcher over here. One more pitcher. And then you find yourself 10 pitchers deep and you are local. Yeah, and now it's, you know, late at night. You shouldn't have been out that late. You shouldn't have had that many pitchers of loco. And uh, pictures just of get... local that is hell. Yeah, one picture of local would just riggedy wreck any <laughs> normal human being. That is insanity. Oh man, could you imagine? Yeah, I'll take a picture of watermelon loco. Oof, yeah, that's gross. Yeah, you got any more of that four loco gasoline flavor <laughs> or monkey shit or whatever we called yeah. it before? <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Yeah, yeah so real bad. I, I think we're settled. This is a 16. And this next segment is this day in Wisconsin history, and it's a devastating, devastating day. On this date, on October 25th, in 1909, there was an explosion at the Pabst Brewing Company. The boiler from the main house exploded, devastating three stories at the Pabst Brewing Company early in the evening. The damage was estimated at about $250,000 for 1909 money, which is yeah, way, way more now. One worker was killed and another was injured. The Pabst Brewing Company filed a claim with its insurer, the Hartford Steam Boiler Inspection and Insurance Company, to recover damages from the explosion. And what devastation. Beer on the ground. Man down. Yeah. Well, I mean, so what would cause a, a boiler to explode like that? Heat, maybe something clogging a pipe because, I mean, you're getting all that steam backing up. Pressure. Yeah, backing up that pressure and just letting rip. I mean, it's too bad somebody got killed and it... I mean, it's a sad day for for beer all around the world. Right, I can't imagine being this this uh, this person's family, and and hearing that you know just a casualty of of the of the workplace. I mean, the only good news that came out of it, it was raining PBR for a day for a minute, right? Yeah, people were head outside with their tongues out, like <laughs> like the Charlie like Charlie Brown yeah, movie, to, like to spin it and put maybe just a little bit of a I don't know happy, a happy image to it if you <laughs> yeah. want. People were just hey. Going outside and, uh, like you said, just opening their mouth and getting some free PBR, baby. Do you want to drink some three Bs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, PBR is great. Uh, it's it's kind of my, it's been my go-to for a lot of years here. Yeah. For, like, I, the cheap beer. That's the thing. I think for, for a good amount of time, I, I ran to PBR as the... It's just sort of a the staple go to. Um, now I'm I'm a little bit different. Uh, Bush Light, Miller Light, something. They're all basically the same at that point when you put the light at the end of it. But yeah, and actually go back to uh, one of our episodes. We talked about Fred Paps. You can learn a little bit more about their family history if you yeah. wish. Today we're here with Clinton from Working Drafts Brewing Company in Madison, Wisconsin. How are you doing, Clinton? Good. How are you guys? Not too bad. Doing well. So we were wondering, uh, can you give us a little story about how uh, Working Draft got their start? Yeah, so it all started, uh, basically sprouted essentially from another business. Um, the one thing that myself and my partners, or a couple of my partners have in common, is that we all worked at the Wyan Hop Shop, which is a homebrew shop in Madison that's been around since like the 70s. It was started before the um, before homebrewing was even legal. 
uh, in the U.S. But uh, we all work there, and so our uh, CFO Ben Feifrick, uh is the owner of Wine Hop Shop. Our CEO Ryan Brown uh, worked there, and then I worked there as well um, for a couple of years. And I went on and did different things. I worked at a couple different breweries in the Madison area. I worked at Vintage Brewing Company and Wisconsin Brewing Company. And then Ryan approached me and said, "Hey, we're opening up a brewery. Uh, the spot that they had was great, and the concept sounded cool. And so uh, eventually, it kind of came around that I was interested in maybe looking for a different job, and and they were looking for a head brewer, and it all kind of came together. And so I came on board, and we ended up." having an inn at a pretty cool spot in Madison, kind of nestled between near East side and downtown, uh, in an old RP pasta building. Um, and so, yeah, they kind of started with Ryan had been toying around with the idea of opening a brewery in like his garage and was running into all sorts of regulatory hurdles and stuff like that with that concept. And so he was looking to do something smaller. And then that connection through Ben kind of got us in this other location that was pretty ideal. And that's kind of what kickstarted the, the idea of doing something on a, a bigger scale and not doing just like a little garage brewery. And then, yeah, that's kind of went from there. That's awesome. Yeah, I know I've I've shopped at the uh, the, the, the hop uh, shop. The hop shop, yep. yep. And uh, yep. We, we actually went up there and because uh, we used to brew some homebrew, me and my co-host here. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of our go-to place. Everyone was really knowledgeable there. So, yeah, I recommend everyone checking that place out. If you're a home brewer, that place is awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a staple from the community for sure. It is. And, uh, yeah, so I was going to ask you, uh, what, what current beers, if, if we were to come to a working draft, what current beers do you guys have on tap? So, you know, right now our, our tap room is closed because of COVID. We've decided to, you know, just keep our ourselves and our staff and our customers safe and not not open up at all yeah. um, and we don't have a patio or anything so we don't really have like a good way to keep people safe so we yeah. have no actual like beer on draft um what we do but we fill crawlers and stuff from draft but we're also putting most of our stuff into 16 ounce cans we are however doing to-go sales from the brewery so you can stop by and uh, order stuff there and we'll do like no contact uh payment pick up all that stuff so we got a really good safe system set up but uh, the beers that we have right now are we've got a whole slew of different hazy IPAs. You know, Pulp Culture is kind of our our flagship. Um, Bold Fontal Caps is another hazy IPA. It's all metric is a single hop citra hazy IPA. Um, we've also got a good selection of lagers. We've got No Estimal, which is our kind of Vienna style Mexican lager modeled after like Victoria stuff like that. Um, we've got our Oktoberfest. We've got a Hellas. Um, God, I'm trying to think of what else we've got out there. We got a couple of <laughs> clear hazy clear hazy ipas clear ipas um got near east was a kind of classic west coast piney ipa and then we've got more of that stuff coming down the pipeline so it's a pretty good selection of to-go stuff and then also we're, we're we have a one barrel brewing system too so that's kind of like feeding our our crawler uh sales everything that we do on the small batch system gets sold through crawlers so we just released a new zealand ipa or new zealand pilsner i mean um and yeah, there's there's so many things. That, no, <laughs> We're that's trying to it, stuff all the time, so it's hard for me to remember all of them. Yeah, it sounds like there's something for everybody, really. Yeah, we try. Yeah, I really love the uh, like the single malt, single hop. It's just real. I love those beers so much because you get the flavor of each one before you, you know, especially for like a home brewer. If you really want to know the flavor of that hop, I love doing that. 
I love those yeah. kind of beers. Totally. Yeah. That's that they're one of my favorite things to do too. Even I mean, mainly from like an experimental standpoint, you don't really know, you don't really know the full like breath of what you get from a malt or a hop until you actually use it in a beer. I mean, you can rub it and you can smell it, you can make teas with it, but it just isn't the same. It's got to go through the entire process before you really know what you're going to get from it. Right, right. Yeah, I know what we did a mosaic citra and we've done a galaxy just to try the flavors before we made like a, a custom IPA kind of thing to get what we wanted to mix together. It was, it's just a great, great way to make a IPA in my opinion, but yeah, I agree. All right. So before we let you go, we always ask uh, our little segment, how Wisconsin are you? It's about 10 questions and uh, just, just some things, you know, a normal Wisconsin I has to go through. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Question one. Have you ever eaten a squeaky cheese curd? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Do you have a place you recommend grabbing one of those squeakers? <sighs> you know, I'm honestly, I don't have a place I recommend. I feel like I've not found a single spot. I've, it's hit or miss. Like, I feel like that's a, the good judge of like how good a cheese curd is. And sometimes you get ones that are just mushy and yeah, you're right to them. And sometimes you get the squeaky ones. I guess I haven't found a reliable squeaky cheese curd spot. Yep. I, I totally agree. I think farmer's markets or some, some of the local, uh, smaller grocery stores tend to have a few, but gas stations every once in a while that you get a, a really good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, there. It's funny because, like, you go to the truck stops and, like, a complete mash. It's not, like, yep. an actual squeaker. It's just, like, a mash of cheese. Yep. It's basically <laughs> mashed potato cheese. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Have you ever tailgated at a Brewers, Packers, or a Badgers game? I have tailgated at a Brewers game and at a Packer game. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, the the Packers is the classic. Obviously, you got to get the brats in there. And yeah, I've yeah. never, I've actually never been to uh, Camp Randall uh, in Madison. So I, that's something I got to put on my list. You know, I've actually never been there too. I've driven past it a million times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've yeah. not actually been in the building. It's it stinked because I lived at the Regent for a short time when I went to school there. So like, every time a Badgers game, you couldn't even move. Like yeah. you, you you're basically stuck there. I would imagine traffic yeah. and everything would be. It's horrible. outrageous. Yeah, it's it's it gets pretty nuts down there. Yeah, have you ever rocked a cheese hat? Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't. I'm sure I've like worn one briefly in like a gift shop or something. I've never owned one and like really worn it for uh, any period of time. Yeah, I'm. I think my mine is the same. I think Russ's uh, um, Russ's stepmom probably has one, and I yeah, probably we, put we it on. It, we wore it there, but otherwise, I don't own one. I never had one, so I think one time we got yeah. drunk and wore it and jumped in the pool with it or yep. something. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know somebody who's got one. Like, yeah, we all, exactly. We've all had access to one. Yep. Have you ever hit a deer? Um, I haven't. My oh, wife wow. has. Well, hey, <laughs> good. Hit a deer that's good luck, though. Yeah, is it? Yeah, I, I not really sure. The one guy we had on here like literally massacred a whole family. Yeah, or so. He took <laughs> out a whole tribe of deer in one in one go. So. Oh yikes! I did that to a raccoon family one time. Oh, I didn't feel very good about it. Those a, little a, trash bandits. A little yeah. a little side story. One time uh, there was a raccoon in the middle of the night, and I swerved and I heard thump thump, and I hit the two babies behind it. Literally, oh. like, oh, no. yeah, literally, like if if it when it comes to the end of my life, and let's say there is a hell, I'm going there, and those little raccoon babies are gonna be middle fingering me, clawing you in the yeah. eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I bet. Have you ever milked a cow? I have not. 
You have not. Yeah, yeah. a lot. Of, you know, that's kind of an uncommon one, unless you've lived on a farm. It's it's not a normal one. So. Yeah, that one's a, a very yeah. common no. Have you ever have you ever yeah, been have you ever been to a tractor pull? Um, technically, yes. I don't think I've ever sat and watched a tractor pull, but uh, the the town I went to high school in Jefferson has a the county Jefferson County Fair grounds are there, so um, that was always a big part of the fair. So I've definitely like been in close proximity to a tractor pull, but I don't think I've ever sat and actually watched it. Yeah, I used to go to the uh, the Jefferson County swap meet uh, like oh, yeah. every year, and uh, so I'm I'm familiar with the area for sure. Yep, yep, same fairgrounds. Actually, there's a really cool place in Jefferson. Have you ever been to Heron's Landing? Uh, I don't know if I have actually. That's a really cool place. They converted an old building there. It's a really cool bar. They have a lot of good taps. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, oh. I wonder if that was maybe a little bit. Uh, it may not have been there when you were there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I can I maybe know the building you're talking about, but I don't, it, it like, had changed a bunch of different things. Yeah. I, I know the only the only downfall is you got uh, Tyson's Chicken and the uh, Dog Food Factory, so it'd be like a whirlwind of, like, terrible smells when you're out there drinking, which yeah. is like... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, uh, I, my parents' house is not far from that that dog food factory and Oof. I would get those terrible smells coming in through my window <laughs> on hot summer nights and nice. <laughs> really not like really puts a damper on the, any cool breeze you might get coming through the window right. when it just reeks like dog food. Yeah, you turn the air conditioner off and all of a sudden Perina just breezes in on yeah. you. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yum. It's early. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been to a supper club and do you have a favorite? Um, I have been to a couple. I don't know that I have a favorite. You know, when I was working at Wisconsin Brewing Company, my my former boss Kirby Nelson was he's like huge supper club fan and knows all of them in the state and which ones are the best. And so we definitely went to some with him. Um, I mean, I, what's the one that's over? Toby's is the one that's off a uh, Stone Road. That one's pretty solid. Yep, yeah, that's we- a good one. Yeah, we've had uh, we've had some individuals uh, talk about Toby's as well, so we'll have to. I I have to get to that one. I know for sure. It, you know, it's it's funny because it's like one of those places where you got to know like the system. Like you go and you stand by the bar and order drinks and wait for somebody to ask if you need a table. Like you know, there's nobody <laughs> yeah, exactly like a host yeah. or hostess waiting at the front door. That's kind of the you, the charm, if you will, yeah. and the allure of. Uh, of supper clubs if they're, if they're yeah, doing it you right go with somebody who's been there you're just going to be completely confused. <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah you you literally walk in and then uh it's always just a crapshoot if you're going to actually get helped or not yep yeah kirby's are kirby's a really nice guy so one of my go-to beers used to be the yankee buzzard that they used to make so yeah. i used to i used to drink that one it was kind of my go-to for a long time yeah it's a solid beer I've, i had a hand at making a lot of that yankee buzzard for a that's while. awesome nice all right, so beer brats, and uh, do you guys have a uh, beer at Working Draft you recommend trying? Yeah, I mean the Hellas would be great. Any of our our German style lagers would work really well for that. Something probably malty and not overly hoppy would be good. Okay, I, you won't won't want too much pull too much bitterness from a, a hoppy beer. All right, we got brat. we got two more questions for you before we let you go today. Um, Bloody Mary, how do you like to make yours? Oh man, I like mine like thick and spicy. Mm-hmm. I, I can't stand a thin, watery Bloody Mary, so it's got to be you almost got to chew it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, I agree. Yeah, you should. It should be a feast. Uh, but also, I don't love them when they're 
uh, really, really overly uh, filled with vodka, where it's just the vodka is really yeah. splashing through more than anything. I, I don't like that. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't like that either. You know, I, I think that I like V eight. I like to, not just straight tomato juice, like the the vegetable juice blend. Yep. Got to get the. Um, I'm not an A one guy. I like using. Um, I'm blanking on the the name of the the like fish sauce stuff that every Worcestershire sauce, like Worcestershire sauce. Yep. And then I always do a blend of like Cholula and uh, Tabasco for my hot sauces. Okay, that sounds good. That's a special yeah. mix right there. Yeah, I, yeah, it's good stuff. I like mine like a soup, but with a couple shots of vodka in it. So yeah. it's really thick. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I mean, a soup. it's basically what it is. Yeah. It's just like a drunk soup. Yep. So. Yep. Pickle juice. Pickle juice is important. In there yeah. Too. Oh, I, yeah. That's what I always say. Uh, splash of pickle juice, maybe a splash of olive juice. Always. Yep. It just adds, you know, whatever saltiness and, and uh, just beautiful flavoring. Yep. All right. We got one more before you let you go. So besides working draft, is there a brewery that you recommend going to check out? Uh, anywhere or just in Wisconsin? Uh, Wisconsin, anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. Oh, man. I mean, there's a million of them, right? I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Nuclearis fanboy. They're kind of leading the, leading, oh, the yeah. pack, or leading the charge in the state. So yeah, really respect those guys. Obviously, the places I've worked, Wisconsin Brewing Company, Vintage are awesome. But if we're going to go outside of Wisconsin, you know, one of the breweries that really blew me away that I don't hear people talk about a ton is uh, Four Noses, and they're in Broomfield, Colorado. They just crush it. Everything I've had there, they they do a really good job. They're not doing things that are super crazy and over the top. I'm not a huge fan of like the let's turn everything into a dessert and a glass movement mm. that's happening in yep. right now. So they're a really good example of a brewery that makes really awesome, balanced, hazy IPAs, really great lagers. Everything they do is is pretty killer. Awesome. I had never heard of that one. Yeah. We, we we've we went to uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, and we did like the New Belgium. We Odell's. did Odell, um, but we that one I I had I'm never really heard bummed. of. I'm really Honestly, we didn't get to see that one because yeah, I'm gonna check that out though. Four Noses, that's yeah. that's awesome. Four Noses. One more if you're in the Colorado area is check out Cellar West Artisanals. Cellar West. Cellar West. My buddy Zach runs that place, and he does a lot of the whole like ethos behind that place and kind of the center of what they do is uh, like barrel aged bread beers. And they're just really wonderful. He does a great job and makes some good lagers as well. Awesome. I love it. I love the suggestion. But, yeah, thank you, Clinton, for your time today. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're glad you came on. Um, I know we kind of contacted you a long time, so I'm, I'm glad everything kind of worked out. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Yeah, you as well. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. That concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, we recommend you subscribe via SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, leave us a review on any one of those above-mentioned sites, and we can read one at the end of every show. Follow us on social media, and feel free to reach out, especially if there is a piece of history or weird news you'd love us to share or research, as well as highlight some local artists or music. Our website is projectcapestudio.com. I'd also like to thank my friend and past co-worker, Steph Skibak, for providing us with awesome podcast cover art, as well as the Dangits for intro and outro music, and all of you for listening. As always, watch, watch out, out for deer, deer on, on the way, way home. home.